0: Hey, this is Ryan Chapman with the Fix Your Funnel Interview Series. And as promised, I'm back with Rich. And Rich with Railgun Results Marketing, um, we're talking about, to this episode in particular, because this is a really important episode, because we're going to be talking about sales teams in atypical situations. People normally, when they think of sales teams, I don't know what they have in their mind, but it's usually not their business. Especially not their business. It's if it's in a few different industries where people don't typically think of having a salesperson, and you have a couple of examples of that. What's one situation where people don't typically think of having a salesperson, but a salesperson not only is worth their weight in gold, but really can allow the business owner to make more money?
1: Well, there's the one one of the niches that we specialize in is is dental, as you know, and when when a patient goes into a, an office that in, in a time when they need a lot of work so let, let's assume it's something like they you know they have a broken tooth that's going to need an implant um, they' and I'll use myself as an example because it works well as you know I'm, I'm late 50s my kids are all grown up I spent lots of money making their teeth. Uh, nice and straight and everything else where they were crying and neglected my own. So broken tooth over the years, you know, I've I've never had them straightened or aligned. And and now, you know, I I go in and I say, look, I want to, it's my time and I've worked and I don't have kids to pay for it and I want to do my own. So the dentist comes in, he looks, he does his exam. And now it gets to the point where it gets awkward because the dentist he he knows the, the mechanics and the technical side of doing what I want to do. But now he has to have this conversation about money, which most dentists are really not very good at. So It's not yeah. why they went to school. No, it's, it's not why they went to school. And But right now they're forced to do it and they, they don't do a good job of it. But yeah. imagine the conversation this way. Okay, so Rich, here's what you need. We're going to do this first, this first, or this second. We're going to put this implant in here and we're going to do this. Now, as soon as we're done, I'm going to introduce you to Melody and Melody's going to go through everything with you and give you your options. And, you know, would that work? Yep. Absolutely. That sounds great. Okay. So now, first off, the dentist is now able to go on to the next patient because as long as he's sitting awkwardly in the room trying to discuss financing and everything else with me, he's not making any money and he's doing something that is way outside of his skill set. Far better for him to introduce me to, you know, to Melody. She's going to take me in another room. And now we're going to have a conversation that says, here's what the doctor prescribed. You need to have this done, this done, this done. Your insurance will cover these certain items and we'll make sure that that gets done ahead of time so that, you know, you don't have to worry about them not paying it. And, you know, for everything you're looking at, you're looking at an additional $10,000, just to pick a number out of the
0: air. When you get this person from this on a sales perspective focused on that like it frees not only does it free up the doctor but she can do a much better job at it
1: absolutely and and not and only she can that, do other things right what else can she do yeah and typically this is going to be the front desk person or one of the one of the people at the front desk because sure they have other things that they need to do like, uh, welcome people when they come into the office do the billings make sure the paperwork's done that kind of thing collect deductibles but having somebody on staff trained to do this for the dentist really frees him up. And part of that, that whole process is not only presenting the different options, but it is also, you know, making sure that, you know, if, if, if somebody came to me and said, look, it's going to cost you $10,000 to fix your teeth, I'm probably going to want a couple of days to kind of, not a, you know, a uh, spur of the moment, you know, if it's 500 bucks, yeah, let's, let's schedule them. But if it's 10,000, eh, I'm going to want to probably, you know, talk to my wife about it and make sure that, you know, she doesn't have plans for that. And so you, you can now also assign that person to do some follow-up and that's critical because very few people are going to make a major decision like that in one shot it's going to take a few contacts. So um, the dentist is never going to do it. like they, they just, they they don't have the time. And even if they did again, it's so far out of their wheelhouse. Uh, if he's sitting in his office, he still won't make the phone call. So we, we want to train someone in the staff, how to, how to work through this process for them.
0: So, and that what's interesting about this is this not only creates a scenario where sales are going to be going on independent of the dentist, which is a really big deal. But it also creates a situation where now you need a system or a process because this can quickly get out of hand.
1: Yeah. And, and that's part of it. So, you know, we, we use Infusionsoft uh, to, to, you know, build that system out for them so they know what has to happen when it needs to happen. And we also do the training for the staff uh, because again, they don't have anyone in-house that, that really knows how to do this. And the, the part that makes it difficult for most people is they think of, quote unquote, selling as something that you do to someone and not for someone. And the best example I have of that is, is my dad. And he's, he's passed away now, but before he passed, he had gone to a dental office and he had gotten a, um, a pretty large quote to get everything fixed up and it was it was $22,000 and he had put it off and put it off because there was no follow-up he had the you know the amount and then he starts second guessing himself you know I'm 75 years old should I really be doing this and it's a lot of money and do I really need to do this and we had the talk and I said, so, "So why were you even considering this in the first place?" And he said, "Do you realize that it's been uh, like almost twenty years since I've had a steak, and I hadn't thought about it? And you know, here's my dad who had worked his whole life really hard. Um, he provided for myself, my sister, my mom, and you know the the right now." If, a major part of what he can't do is enjoy a steak. And it sounds really simple. And I said, look, get it done. You know, you've worked too hard not to do this. And unfortunately, like, you got you got really severe pneumonia and he passed away before I got done And it's one of the things that really stuck with me saying, you know, and I'm thinking yeah. for myself, I'm not going to make that mistake. But what happens is you get someone in, you know, in a Dental office, and they're saying, "Well, I don't want to call him because you know, like that's twenty two thousand dollars, and like he's seventy five years old." That's yeah. exactly the wrong type of thinking.
0: And this is where um, you know, there's another phrase from Dan, which is, "You're not your your customer." And too frequently, if people don't have the proper training for how to do sales and how to you know run a sales process, they start thinking about what they think the sales processes, which is, is, you know, to them, it's about taking money from somebody else, doing something to somebody. They don't realize that they are not the customer. And so they need to not assume that they understand what the customer is after. And you really got to get yourself into that position of the, of the person and recognize if you have a good service that you bring to the market, you have an obligation to do the very best you can to not only sell and not only to market, but to follow up and be very good about communication so that you can allow people to receive what they want instead of worrying about what you're doing or what you think that you know, you're know you getting. And uh, that story to me really hits the head of this issue, which is that stop worrying about what you think it is, how much you think it's cost, all this that doesn't matter if you understand really what it is that you bring to the market, you should recognize that you have just this moral obligation to do the very best you can to promote it and
1: sell it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, it, it was one of, it was one of the regrets that, you know, that when he, I had, because had I known this sooner, it would have been like, why are you even thinking about this? Just, you know, had they, had they called and said, you know, have you given any thought? And, and, and it's not well. Yeah. And let's talk about who lost in this scenario.
0: There's there's I, I can think of that you lost as a son because you know you feel a little bit of regret not pushing him sooner. Yeah. He lost out because he didn't get to have that stake that he wanted before he passed away. And people may look at that however they want to, but that's a big deal. You know, for him, yeah. it was a big deal. He had worked hard. He had he had done things to earn that, and he didn't get to take advantage of it because of some delays on whatever people's part. Yeah. And people and the, in that office—they didn't make twenty-two thousand. No, <laughs> so you know that dentist didn't get the money that he should have for his expertise. He—I'm sure he's got debts out the wazoo, because most dentists I know do. And so you know that could have helped them pay off some debts. There's the staff in the office that would go towards their wages. Everybody in that scenario lost out because somebody didn't follow through and didn't follow a sales process and probably weren't organized at all. You know what I mean? No. This, go, this goes back to why it's so critical, not only to introduce this idea of having a salesperson in a place where you may think that salesperson doesn't belong, which you know, most, most dentists, probably most attorneys, you know, even many medical f- folks are thinking that the doctor's got to do all this stuff. And in reality, that ought to be passed off to the salesperson so talk a little bit about this sales process. How do you start designing these sales pipelines? And why is it so critical to get them trained on how to use the sales pipeline? I mean, we've got this thing of, you don't, you're not doing it two people, you're doing it four people, which is a really great mental um, place to get yourself if you're doing sales. But how do you go about designing these, these uh, sales processes for these situations where people may not be thinking about sales at all?
1: Yeah. So, you're right. It, it, the mental shift has to occur first. And then that's why we like to work with the staff because they're the ones that are going to be doing this. The, the first step is always decide what, what your end goal is. So, you know, in the case of my dad, the end goal would be to have him accept the treatment option and make the decision to book the first appointment and go forward. So that, that's the end goal. The next step is to find, you know, what's the the first spot, which is, you know, when, when he's in the chair getting his, you know, his uh, annual cleaning done or whatever it is, one of the things that should happen is during the cleaning, either the hygienist or the dentist should be asking, you know, is there anything about your teeth that you that you would like to change, if there were you know if there was nothing holding you back, you know at that point they probably would have found out sooner and not waited until you know almost twenty years that sure you know he really wanted to have steak and because if he'd done that ten years ago he probably wouldn't have hesitated and I, I know him he wouldn't have hesitated so that first part wasn't there then the next part is. All right. Well, let's let's in a perfect world, if you had all this done, let's get you a quote so at least you know what you lo- you would be looking at. Would that be okay? There's no cost, no obligation. We'll just go through it. And I know we would have agreed to it. He said, like, if I'm not going to get pressured or anything else, I'm fine. So as you're going through that, you have to make sure that you know the know the the questions you're asking. So you know, um, you know, why would you want to have this done? Well, you know, it's been. 10 years since I've had a stay, I really, that, you know, that would, that would have come out as being a major driver because if someone mentions it, um, the second part of that, and I didn't mention this earlier, is when we were having, you know, family barbecues and stuff like that, he didn't come. It never, dawned, no on idea, huh? me. It never dawned on me until afterwards that that was probably why. And, you know, had they asked that and he said, You know, my, my kids have barbecues all the time and I don't go because I'm embarrassed because I can't eat. That would have made a huge difference right there because now they know the why. And once you get to that, you know, so assuming they get that part, now they're saying, here, here's what you need to do. And it's $22,000. And my dad was very frugal. And I know that the idea of you know spending as much on his mouth as what he would spend on a small car would just drive him crazy. But in part of the training, one of the things that we teach the staff to ask when they do the follow-up call, because most people are hesitant, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm still thinking about it. And it's, I, we train them to, to do this. And my dad's name was Bill. So Bill, do you mind if I ask you a question? And they'll say, Sure. Just to help me clarify what it is that we're dealing with. Is it something that I've done? Or is there something about the procedure that doesn't make sense to you? Or is it just the money? The key there is to say, just the money. You use that word, just. And nine out of 10 will tell you, it's it's just the money. And at that point, you now know what you need to do to fix the conversation to get them to go forward. So if I took the 22000 and I broke it down to a thousand a month for 24 months so that you're not having to lay out that big piece of cash right now. Would that help? And you can start to work with them. But that question is, it's very no pressure. And this
0: is the phrase of big doors open on small hinges. These little questions, these little design elements that you incorporate into your sales process are such a big deal. And that's why it's so important for people to be working with somebody who's thinking about all these things. Because for many, many offices, I'm sure that's not even a thing that comes up on their radar. They're not even thinking about, oh, well, one, should the doctor just be focusing on what actually generates revenue that only the doctor can do, or should he be doing sales? That's the first question that they're asking. And then once they've asked that question, now it's okay. we got a dedicated person. I've been to different dental offices where they actually are implementing at least that portion, right? They don't have the dentist doing the, the presentation of the, the plan and money part. That's done by somebody else. But they're not trained at all on how to do a sales process. So it's even worse than the doctor doing it because, one, they don't have the position of the doctor, and then they don't leverage the positioning of the doctor, and they just, you know, just mechanically go through this process of telling you okay here's what it is pay and not understanding that they have an obligation to actually understand where you are give you opportunities to evaluate and make a good buying decision instead they kind of go at it almost like a machine and so it's really as much as it is important to design that process of having okay what's the end goal what are the stages that need to occur in order for us to get to that end goal really understanding what what are those questions that we have? What are those dialogues that need to occur? What are these stages of the sales conversation that need to happen in order for us to most effectively help a person arrive at a place where they can responsibly make that buying decision? That's that's just critical. I think a lot of people overlook the need for that level of detail in their sales process. They, they like to think of it more as the mechanical part, which, again, I, this kind of came up in our last discussion, didn't it? There's, there's the mechanics, and then there is the psycho, psychology of the situation. And understand the psychology is, it, I would say, more important, although you have to have both the mechanics and the psychology, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, but understand the psychology of the sales process. Without that, then you're just going through the mechanics, and it's just it falls flat. It really falls flat. So, how did how did you get about understanding all of this about sales? I think that's a fascinating question for us to get to, because a lot of people they they don't pick up on this nuance. They just maybe they get into the mechanics if they're lucky, but they don't understand the psychology around um, asking
1: these types of questions. Yeah, so that goes back a long way. Um, when I when I was twelve years old, uh, my parents owned a marine dealership. And if you so we, we did things like you know lund fishing boats and sea doos and you know that kind of stuff and, and yeah that business was in Winnipeg, which has about four months of summer and eight months yeah. of ice. So if, if you think being in a business where it's hundred percent discretionary because nobody needs a fishing boat or a sea dew, they want one. And then trying to sell that product in a, in a geographic area where you know summer is shorter than winter you know you got your you got your your uh, Work cut off, up, yeah. it's an uphill climb <laughs> so yeah. um, so we had to become really good at understanding the motivations that would get people to buy and you know it wasn't about you know and, and a great example is the Cedar because you get to ride around on it on the lake and it doesn't really do anything else And you have to really get into their head and talk about, you know, the, the emotions and the feelings and getting away. And like your cell phone won't ring when you're on the seat even though it does, you can't answer it anyway, because you're getting sprayed with water and all these things that, that go back to, you know, the the same thing I was talking about my dad about not going to barbecues. And it's, it's that psychological component that, that, if you understand it and you are able to uh, discern what it is, like what that motivation is, then you can help them to to get to the goal that they want. And, you know, whether that be, you know, they want to have a new car because they just got a promotion at work and they kind of want to show off to family or, you know, they, in the case of the fishing boat is um, his 15 year old son is spending all of his weekends on his Xbox and dad wants to have some quality time with him. And a good way to do it is, is get out into the wilderness and go fishing. It's, it's those hidden motivations. And once you find them um, the sales process, first off, it becomes very easy and you, you actually help a lot of people that a lot of times don't understand what that real deep emotion is. They know it's there, but they, they find it hard to enunciate it. And you actually serve people by helping them to get and do the things in life that they want to do.
0: So do you think that that is why um, and a, a, lot of pe- a lot of business owners don't realize this? And I had to be told this to, to really get it. But most people, if they don't decide to buy from you now, do nothing. It's, it's a very small minority that will actually go to a competitor. Most people do nothing if they don't buy from you now. Is that because they do have such a hard time often articulating and identifying their own personal motivations and they need that help to work through that with the salesperson? Yeah, you
1: know, I think that's true because we we would have so when again when I was a kid working in the in the marina, we would have people that would come in and they would look at a boat in, you know, in the in the middle of summer and. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time we didn't have. You know, we're, we're talking now the '70s and '80s, so this is an yeah. idea how old I am. But none of this stuff existed. Like, if you wanted to do follow up, you wrote it down on a piece of paper and you put it in a little card box, and you went through your cards every day, and you made notes to phone. And cards would get lost, and you know you'd forget things, and you would miss a card, and then you know it's two months later, and you're going, I'm not going to phone them now. I feel like an idiot. You know, I should have called them six weeks ago. So you yeah. don't call them. And then they show up again the following spring. They hadn't done anything yet. They just didn't have, you know, and they, they hadn't gone to another. They, they knew it. You know, what we presented was what they wanted. They just did nothing. Yeah. And then they went through winter and they're going, you know, it comes to spring and they're like, I want to do this. And that was, that was a big learning thing for me was understanding that, you know, just because they didn't come back didn't mean they went somewhere else. A lot of times it meant they did nothing. Yeah. And it's because no one was you know pushing that button that needed to be pushed to get them to. Act. I feel like that's why you, you really have to talk about and understand
0: the buying decision that your customers make. And, and really get into why do they make the de- decision that they make to buy from me. And exploring that, I think, is so valuable. And yet, I mean, Rich, if you're exploring that idea, are you making any money in that moment?
1: In that exact moment, no. Yeah. You know,
0: and and yeah. Not, again, and I think that's the challenge. You know, people only think about the moments that they make money immediately, and don't rec- recognize that any any time or money invested in discovering and understanding better why it is that your customers become customers in the first place is right. extremely valuable. That's yeah. why you like hiring somebody like you that spent so much time thinking about it, implementing it, reiterating on it is so valuable compared to just saying, okay, I'll try this on my own alone. Although people can do that. That's where I think it's so valuable. If you can hit somebody that's already been through this thinking, not just for their business, but for 30 different businesses and i right. have seen all the different varieties on this and they go oh, okay I see the trend here I see what actually happens over and over again now I understand why all these businesses aren't different they're all the same, all the same. I've, I've spent enough time to really
1: understand what is it that drives the human behavior it's a science but it's also an art and yeah. uh, the, the best way I've ever heard it explained is um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Chris Carlson. He uh, works a lot with financial planners, but mm-hmm. the way he described it was if you think of a line with zero at one end of the line and 100 at the other end of the line, when someone is unaware of your product or service, they're at zero. And the moment they make the decision to go forward, they're at a hundred, but there's all those points in between zero and a hundred. So, you know, if if I'm doing a presentation on, on you know, buying a sea dew in Winnipeg in February, when it's 40 degrees below zero, I may only get them to 50. Mm. Well, the opportunity is there to move them, you know, from 50 to 80 as spring gets closer. And then when the May long weekend comes and the lakes finally are no longer solid and they're back to liquid i can go from 80 to 100 and make that sale but you have to understand where they are along that continuum and not do what every business tries to do which is go from zero straight to 100 yeah and that's why you see um you know businesses that say you know i have a facebook guy and his leads are no good because he got me a thousand leads and i only sold one (laughs) you're trying to go straight from zero to a hundred, it doesn't work. I I use the baseball analogy
0: of the home run. They're going for the home run on the first hit and they'd be way better off if they just got base hits.
1: Right.
0: Is there a Canadian equivalent to
1: that? Uh, well,
0: you know, I was just joking. (laughs)
1: Hockey hockey hat trick probably, but, uh, it, uh, yeah, it, it, it's exactly the same thing. You know, it's like yeah. you, want, you want to get up to bat and you want to you want a grand slam. Well, we don't. You don't have anybody on base yet. You know, it's like well, it ain't going to happen, right? It's yeah. the same. It's the same problem, and, and and that's the biggest problem with most marketing we see when someone comes to us and says, "My marketing doesn't work." Well, who are you marketing to? And well, we want people that are looking for a new widget. And I said, okay, but how many people are you know looking to buy your widget right now because all your marketing is, it's a big complaint I have about car dealers. They only market to people that are looking at buying a car in the next 72 hours. And that's it. Like if, if you know, if somebody has got something that, you know, it's not it's starting. A small
0: right. percentage of the yeah. marketplace is yeah. ever and in they, that position they, where a home run could be even possible. Right. Right. And so it's the most
1: expensive thing to possibly do. Right. When all your competitors are doing the same thing, you're all fighting for a very, very small piece of the pie. Yeah. So.
0: Well, and I think that going back to your question that you introduced at the very beginning, where when someone's coming in, you're asking them, is there anything about your teeth that you're unhappy with or that you would like to change if there was nothing holding you back? that that's a really great question. I think many dental offices don't even think to ask that question either. No, so they don't. The person comes in, they get their cheap cleaning. The doctor's almost annoyed because that's all they got was a cleaning. And then, you know, they're, they're waiting for the patient to come in and say, yes, I want all of my teeth replaced <laughs> with bated breath. They're waiting yeah. for the home run to show up at their doorstep, not realizing that they've been letting people that want more done come in and go out without ever getting into them. That's why I think this whole discussion was so so powerful, Rich, and I appreciate you bringing it up because it really helps um, businesses to think, even if you're not a dental business, I hope that as you were listening, you were thinking about, well, how am I like the dental business? Because you get way more out of it if you do that than if you just think, well, I'm not a dentist, nothing to hear here. Uh, If you recognize the fact that in your business, there are probably natural occurrences that go on, they could be opening up doors for other sales opportunities that you're totally ignoring and then open those doors. And then not only that, but have the sales process, take the time to invest in getting some sales training, some sales direction because the pipeline is the easy part, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But,
0: but it's getting the training and the staff on in the right place. That's the really valuable part. And that's, that's exactly what you do. Isn't it rich?
1: Right. That's, that's big big part of it is getting all those all the nuances figured out along the way so
0: if if you thought this discussion was interesting you'd like to talk to rich more about the sales process in your own business i'd recommend you text uh, rich at 587-807-6750 we'll make sure that that's uh in our show notes to below this podcast episode but thanks, Rich, so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you've got a busy schedule with all the people that you're working with. But I appreciate you taking the time to just discuss these topics because I feel like if people understand that you don't – I think if nothing else, if they did—they took away just that concept of you're not selling – you're doing things to people, but you're doing it for them, that can change the whole feeling about everything that you communicate and do in your sales process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate uh, having some time with you. It's been my pleasure.